So from Psalm 34, we'll read the whole chapter. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. And now from 1 Peter 3... From verse 8. So Peter wrote these letters to, to, uh, to um, God's elect scattered. It says at the beginning of Peter there, to God's elect scattered all over the world. So, hey, that's probably us as well. So we would do good to see what he's got to say. Starting from verse 8 of chapter 3 in his first letter. And it's called Suffering for Doing Good at the top there. And you'll probably recognise um, he quotes actually from Psalm that we just read. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Thank you, John.
bit of tidy this up if you're anything like your brother. Yeah. There we go, I've got it. I almost brought a pen just to leave up here, just for fun. No, no, it's all right. Well, we could just leave it for next week, couldn't we? We could just leave that there. Maybe it's just sort of in the middle or something. And slightly askew as well, because I know that he wouldn't be able to cope with that. Uh, very good. Well, it's very good to be with you today. Uh, uh, we had fun moving Carl yesterday. Uh, Carl helped me move a, a week or so ago. Uh, I think his job was worse. I made him put IKEA furniture together. Uh, I just had to lift things. So uh, it was very good, and it's very good to continue to help him out uh, by coming here and uh, bringing you the Word of God, which I'm very pleased to do. Uh, we have been working our way through 1 Peter uh, uh, at Riverbank, and... Um, uh, well, we took a break for Easter, but we've been going through there, and I preached on this some weeks ago, and uh, I'd like to share that with you. Uh, as has been said, I, I've called this, uh, How Do You See Good Days? Uh, because you see there in verse 10, whoever would love life and see good days. So that's the quote from Psalm 34. That's, in one sense, that's kind of what Peter is talking about here. Some of us already perhaps this morning feel like we have good days. Uh, your marriage is good, perhaps. Your schooling is going well. Your friends are good. Your job is good. You have enough money. Uh, you could perhaps do with some more holidays. But overall, life is good. I mean, after all, the magpies got thrashed on the weekend, so we we're all very happy. Um, but that I mean, doesn't take long. You don't have to look very far, do you? And you know straight away that that doesn't last. Uh, there are some here, we've already heard about it this morning, whose days are perhaps not so good. Uh, I don't know about what's happening, been happening here, but in our church at least there's people who are grieving uh, the, lo- the loss of loved ones. Uh, there are others who are ill, facing operations, coming out of operations. Uh, there are some whose future is just very, very uncertain, work-wise, financially, health-wise, uh, perhaps... Your plans have not gone the way you hoped they would go. Uh, you wanted to go somewhere and do something. You wanted to perhaps be married and you're not and whatever it might be. And, and the question is, well, how do you see good days? Does it come down to our circumstances? And we don't want to offer some sort of trite, you know, three-step formula, just do this and everything will be okay. The Bible doesn't say that. Psalm 34 doesn't say that. 1 Peter doesn't say that. We can't say that. But we do want to know how we can see good days. We'd like to know the path of blessing. That word comes up a lot here. And and I think really those two things are synonymous. Uh, Blessing and uh, seeing good days. So how do we get there? Well, I'm going to start actually in Psalm 34, so if you have your Bibles open, you probably want to turn back to there, uh, because I'm going to refer to quite a few verses there, because uh, Peter, as you saw, uh, quotes Psalm 34, he's he's drawing on Psalm 34 to make his argument here, uh, and and so we need to understand what Psalm 34 says. What's very interesting, when you go back to Psalm 34 and look at the verse just before the bit he quotes, he, he's, he, the quote from one, in 1 Peter starts in verse 12, and if you look at verse 11, how he says, Come, my children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
And then he says, whoever loves life and desires to see good days. Now, that's perhaps a somewhat unusual thing to say, isn't it? Uh, who wants to see good days? Well, I'm talking about that in the, fear of, in the context of the fear of the Lord. Why would he do that? What's that got to do with seeing good days? Well, if you go back a little further, uh, you can start to see why he would do that. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, there it is, this idea of blessing, seeing good days, is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. There there we have these, these two ideas together again. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in the Lord, Ah, that, that's good, we, we like that idea. Uh, we call on God, we ask him for help, he looks after us. Ah, that's how you see good days. But what does it mean to take refuge in the Lord? Is it merely calling on God and saying, God, I'm lost, God, I need help? Is it just saying, well, God's got it in control, you know, let go and let God, that sort of idea. Uh, he'll sort it out. Well, not really, not, not according to the psalm. That's not what it means to take refuge in God. It can include those things. But to take refuge in God is a bit different to that. Uh, you understand that the idea of refuge is from a time when uh, there were uh, cities, uh, big cities with walls, and many, but many people didn't live in those cities. Uh, they lived on the land. They farmed it and all that sort of stuff. And from time to time, uh, <laughs> uh, armies would come through, and and if you were one of those farmers, you couldn't just sort of stay on your land because if you did you would get killed (laughs) and so you had to flee to a city of refuge it was safe there there were walls there there were king and his army were there there was food and there was water there you could kind of wait out the the armies in the city you couldn't just go to the city though could you and rock up to the doors to the gates and say uh could we have refuge and then sort of say to yourself, well, we'll, but we'll just live out here, just outside the gates, because actually you're all a bit smelly and we don't really like you anyway. That's why we live out here in the country. Um, But could, could we please have refuge? I mean, you can't, that doesn't make sense. To get refuge, you have to go into the city. What does it mean then to find refuge in God? We can't merely kind of knock at the gate, can we, and say, God, give me help. Now I'm safe. To seek refuge in God in this psalm means you've actually got to go in and that means to fear the Lord. You see uh, in verse uh, 8, take refuge in the Lord and then verse 9, fear the Lord, you saints. They're they're parallel, They're, they're the same thing. Blessing is found, good days are found when we take refuge in God To take refuge in God means to fear God. That's why in verse 11 when he he says, I will teach you to fear the Lord, he then immediately also starts talking about good days, about blessing. Because it's as you fear God that you find blessing. Well, what does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to fear God and therefore take refuge in him? Verse 13 in Psalm 34, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Now, 
you can see what David is doing. He's telling us how to live. Uh, in a very general sense, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. He speaks of lies in particular. I'm not particularly sure why he does that, but nevertheless, the main thing I want you to see is that uh, as he teaches us to fear the Lord, what he's saying is live God's way. That's what it means to go into the city, you see. To seek refuge in God, to go into the city and find safety in him, is to say, I will throw my lot in with God. It's not, some, it's not just some sort of vague, I will trust him to look after me kind of thing. In a very real sense, it's saying to God, I'm going to go in, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you so much that I actually I'm going to listen to you and think you're sensible, fancy that, and, and shape my whole life around you and do what you say, actually listen to you and, and live your way. That is to trust him, that is to fear him, that is to find refuge in him. Now, why will that lead to good days? Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Now, before we kind of qualify what that's just said out of existence I want you to just stop and think about that because this is not how we I think uh, assuming that you think in a similar way to, to what we do at our church this is not normally how we think it is there is blessing to be found there are good days to be found when you live God's way because his eyes are on the righteous and then he look, that is, he looks favorably on them, he listens to their prayers, whereas the evil, those who don't live his way, he is against them. <laughs> That's a pretty startling thing to say, isn't it? Now, let's be careful about it because it doesn't mean if things are going bad in your life that necessarily you've done evil. You know, you're sick, uh, you must have done something wrong. No, no, that's not necessarily what he's saying because in verse 19 David says a righteous man may have many troubles so this is not a guarantee to a smooth life but these verses still stand this is why good days are found in living God's way in the fear of him living in the fear of him because if we don't he is against us and if we do he is for us now again I mean, this is a reformed, kind of theologically reformed church. Uh, probably, uh, uh, there may be some of you here who's, you know, every bone in your body is screaming, are you saying that we can earn God's favour? Is that what you're saying? You, well, you can't do that. You can't say you can earn God's favour. No, absolutely, you can't say that. But verses 15 and 16 still stand. You can't wipe them out with our reformed theology, you see. God is for those who live his way, who recognise him and take refuge in him. They will see good days. You can't, nor, nor can you say, oh, but uh, when we believe in Jesus, uh, we receive his righteousness, and that's what this is talking about. So because we have Jesus' righteousness, uh, God is always for us. Well, in one sense, that's true, yes. But if you don't live God's way, if you don't begin to live a righteous life, if you live an evil life, completely ignoring what God says... 
he will not be for you. That's what verses 15 and 16 say. Now, how does that work? Well, let me ask you this. Who is it that acknowledges God and believes his way the best? Who longs, what sort of people long to serve him and live for him? What sort of people say, God, you are sensible, you do know best, I do want to live for you? Who says that? Well, the only people who say that, aren't they, are the people who have been saved. Those God has rescued, those who have been born again, those who have had the Spirit of God come in them and transform them from the inside out. They're the people who will take refuge in God. They're the people who will want to live God's way. So in other words, those God has made righteous and is making righteous uh, through Jesus are the ones who he listens to. And so verses 15 and 16 stand. They stand. Even in the gospel, they stand. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. And look, if you're a child of God, if you believe in Jesus, you belong to him, and you for a time live an evil life, that is you reject God and you consistently and deliberately do your own thing, God will come along and he will discipline you. It may feel as though he is against you, but he's not. He's for you and for your transformation into a person who seeks refuge in him. The question for us is, are you actually seeking refuge in God, in Jesus, the way this psalm talks about? Have you gone into the city, thrown your lot in with God, said, I will do it your way, I trust your ways are best. For I fear you, I respect you, I honour you as God. Or do you... Uh, think taking refuge in Jesus is just calling on him whenever you're in trouble. Um, you know, the, the Batman movies, um, what's his name, the Joker, you know, he turns up and they, he starts causing trouble and then the chief, poli- the chief of police gets the light out and shines it in the sky and the bat symbol's up there and Batman comes and saves the day. I think that's, kind of, you know, we can kind of treat God like that. Oh, I have trouble, bat signal out, come on God, come and rescue me. All right, it's done now, God. Off you go. Back over there. I'll live my way now. That's not taking refuge in God. That's not the way of blessing. That's not refuge. That's having a fix-it man, a superhero. Now, you might say to me, well, look, I'm not doing it perfectly, of course, but I am trying to seek refuge in God. But my life is hard. I don't really think I'm seeing good days. I mean, this this is not working for me. Of course, part of the answer is that the blessing that's being spoken of here is not necessarily blessing in this life. It's the eternal blessing we have with God, and, and Psalm 34 kind of alludes to that. But I wouldn't want to say that that's all verses 15 and 16 are talking about, that it's only eternal blessing that this is talking about. Now, there are good days here and now that we can have. So how does that work? How does it work if you're a person who's taking refuge in God, as the psalm says, you're, you're seeking to live God's way, but life is hard, life is difficult. 
What's going on? And for that, I want to turn back with you to 1 Peter chapter uh, 3. So uh, you can leave Psalm 34 behind for now. Uh, we've had a look at that. And now we're going to see how Peter is using uh, Psalm 34 in this section here in chapter 3. Just to give you a little bit of understanding of this passage, uh, <clears throat> we're in a section in, in 1 Peter where he has been talking about, not surprisingly given he's quoting Psalm 34, about how to live. Uh, back in chapter 2, verse 11, he said, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And what follows from those verses until where we are now is basically instruction on how to live. Submit yourselves to the authorities, slaves submit to your masters, uh, wives and husbands how to, how to live together. Uh, and then he gets to verse 8 uh, where we read from and he says, finally all of you, so I've talked to sort of specific groups, but all of you live in harmony, be sympathetic, love one another as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Uh, here, Peter tells us God's way of living. And as we, I think, just investigate this a little bit, hopefully we'll see together how uh, even, if you're, even if your kind of days are not, your circumstances are not good, you can still have good days as you take refuge in the Lord. Well, let me just investigate with you this verse 8, and the, there are actually just five words in, in the Greek, five things that uh, God wants to have characterising our lives. The first one there is uh, live in harmony with one another. That's actually just one word. And it says be like-minded. That is not to have the same tastes, not to be all kind of monochrome and all the same. Uh, no, uh, God made us all different. It's more like having the same mission, all on the same uh, goal. We have one Lord, one Saviour, one Gospel, and one mission to take that Gospel to the world. That's what it means to live in harmony. Uh, when people work together, we can do great things, can't we? You think of an orchestra or a soccer team moving the ball around in, in great, with great skill. That's what's being talked of here. Using our gifts, doing ministry together through our different skills and personalities and, and experiences but with the same goal. Uh, sympathetic is the next word, not pathetic. Sometimes I think we think sympathetic is to be pathetic, that is fawning all over each other and kind of a bit wet. Um, please don't do that, especially not to me. Um, but really the word here means to, to, to carry one another's burdens, to, to care about other people, to, to, to not wag the finger and say, oh, well, you brought it on yourself, didn't you? But to get stuck in and, and help people. Do you help people who are struggling, even if it's kind of self-inflicted? Or do you gravitate toward the people who are doing ha well, who are happy? Where to be sympathetic Get in there and, and help people out. Uh, the next thing is uh, brotherly love, or love as brothers, it says here. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. 
equally saved, equally loved, equally cared for by God, and we're to love each other as you do your brothers and sisters. I hope you love your brothers and sisters. I mean, obviously for me it's taken a great deal of patience and endurance and uh, nevertheless. Uh, but we know that if someone says to us, uh, they've been a brother to me or they've been a sister to me, that's a very special thing to say, isn't it? I mean, that's a, that's a great compliment. And that's how we're to love one another, says Peter. Uh, compassionate, uh, I think probably best summed up in uh, some words from Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You see, overlooking offence, forgiving, uh, 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 an attitude that comes out of the fact that we know that Christ died for us. He forgave us, he gave everything for us, and so we treat others with great compassion, despite their failings and problems. It's a bit similar to seek, peace and pursue it, actually, from Psalm 34. And finally, the word humble. As Tim Keller says, I think an excellent definition, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You're not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Being uh, willing to think of others' needs, being willing to sacrifice for their good, just as Jesus gave up heaven and and his own life for our good. Now that's just in five words... Uh, Peter has laid out for us, hasn't he, a pretty heavy standard. And then you add in verse 9, uh, not repaying evil with evil but, and, and, or insult with insult but with blessing. And that's very hard, isn't it? Because when someone says something rude to us, the, the most fun and, uh, uh, thing and most instantaneous thing that we like to do is to be rude back to them. But no, we're not to do that. We're to treat them with blessing. That, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty tough standard. But this is God's way and and it is beyond us except that it says there uh, in verse 9, to this, why why are we to live this way? Because to this you are called. Not not in the sense of go on, get to it, as if God kind of stands there on the sideline somewhat like us parents sometimes do and say, be nice and stop yelling for goodness sake. Um, You know, that sort of thing. No, no, that, God calls us. He, he, with, his, with the power of his spirit, he calls us and he changes us and he, and, he, and he enables us to do it. Transforms us. And why does he do that? Why does he call us to this very high way of life? Verse 9, so that you might inherit a blessing. And that's why he quotes Psalm 34. Because he wants us to understand how it is that by calling us to this wonderful way of life we inherit a blessing because then we're taking refuge in God and his eye is on us. But now, I haven't really answered the question, have I? How is it that if you're taking refuge in God and your circumstances of your life are difficult, how is it that you can see good days? Well, I want to just want to suggest from the things we've seen in Peter, two things. And one is that this very way of life that Peter is giving us here and that we're given through the whole Bible really, that in itself is the blessing. 
That is the good days, if you like. To be able to live a glorious way of life and to have God, God's eye on us as we do that, that is his enabling power in us as we do that, that itself is the good days. The circumstances of your life might be extremely hard, but to live this way for God is good. You see, the madness of the sinful nature is it says to us, no, 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 joy is found in looking after yourself, doing what you want, being selfish, pushing others aside, not being sympathetic or loving or compassionate. Think of yourself, think of yourself, don't be humble. That's what sinful nature says to us and it is destruction, friends, and you know it. True happiness, true good days are living like Jesus. I, I, I thought of this as I was writing this sermon. Um, we, sin tells us to, to pursue all this stuff to be happy. Now, if I went to you and I said to you, who was, who was the happiest person who ever lived or who was the, the best person that ever lived, hopefully you would say to me, well, Jesus was. But what sort of life did Jesus live? He didn't live a self-fulfilling, self-pursuing, self-aggrandizing kind of life that we attempted to live, did he? He lived a hard, sacrificial life. He had a life full of uh, sympathy and love and compassion and humility. That's the sort of life Jesus had. That is the good life. And you know that if you've had a day that even vaguely approximated the sort of stuff Peter is talking about here, it is good, isn't it? To get to the end of the day and say to yourself, I have loved people, I did serve people, I cared for people, and not in a boastful kind of way, but in a way that says, thank you God that you enabled me to do that. And it is, that is a good life. Is it? You sleep well, I think. So how do you see good days? Well, just living God's ways are seeing good days. The other part of the blessing, the other part of seeing good days, uh, actually, you have to go back to Psalm 34 for. Uh, in verse 8, you don't have to go back there, I'll just read it to you. It said this thing, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now I've known that verse for a long time and it's a verse I've used possibly incorrectly, sadly, because I didn't really understand the question. You see, how is it that you taste and see that the Lord is good? Is it just through reading his word? Well, yes, you can. Is it through prayer? Well, yes, in some ways. But actually what David is saying in Psalm 34 is that you taste and see that God is good as you take refuge in him, as you live his way, as you live in fear of God. You will come to know God, his goodness and his care and his love and his everything for you as you live his way. As you do that in the hardest times, you call out on to him and he hears you. He will very often give you an extra taste of his goodness, perhaps in that he, he, he provides for you, he works things to your good, he, he relieves your trouble in extraordinary ways. He, he sends you the people of God to walk beside you and help you. Or perhaps it's just that you have a, a sort of a, a deep sense of his love and his care and his goodness. I mean, it can come in all sorts of ways. 
how do you taste and see that the Lord is good? You'll never taste and see that the Lord is good if you camp outside the city. You just won't. If you don't take refuge in him, if you don't live his ways, trust him and, and believe that he is good. And when you do taste and see that he is good, even in the hardest of times, you'll say these are good days because that is the ultimate blessing, isn't it? To know God, to sense God, to, to, to experience him and, and come to know more deeply his goodness and his love and his care, that's good days. You see, in some ways we have to redefine what a good day is, don't, don't we? Because for us, good days basically mean happiness and an easy life. But that's not good days. Not as far as the Bible's concerned. Not as far as David's concerned. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Take refuge in him. Well, where are you up to this morning? Are you taking refuge in God? Or are you living your own way? thinking that good days are found in selfishness, in evil, uh, in putting out the bat signal. Take refuge in the Lord, friends. Trust in him fully. Live his way. He's called us to it so that we might inherit a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We confess, Lord, that it's very easy... Uh, in our desire to be autonomous, in our desire to live our own way, to want to have you as the one who comes in and helps and solves all our problems, makes us feel good, and yet we still just do our own thing. Father, we pray that you would forgive us for that. We pray that you would help us to acknowledge you and repent and find forgiveness in Christ. And we pray that you will continue to your transformation work in us, that we would more and more want to live your way, that we would go into the city, that we would take refuge in you, throw in our lot with you and say, yes, I will follow God. And we thank you that your eye is on those who do that. We thank you that we don't have to generate that ourselves, but you call us to it. Lord, continue to call us to it, continue to work in us, that we might live your way, And so taste and see that you are indeed very good, no matter the circumstances of our life. You care for us, you love us, and you want what's best for us. We thank you for these great truths in Jesus' name. Amen.